page 1137, at least in my Bible. I don't know where it's at in yours, but after Hosea, find it, got it. Joel chapter 1. We're going to go through the book of Joel over the next several weeks. Uh, Today we're going to cover the first 13 verses of chapter 1. And uh, we'll just kind of continue through through the book until we're done with it. And then we'll go on to something else. Um, I haven't asked this in a while, but if you have a topic or a book that you'd like us to go through, um, when I say book, I mean book of the Bible, um, that you want us to go through, uh, let me know. Uh, just text me, email me, tell me, um, and I will at least consider it and pray about it. Uh, I can promise you that much. Um, but uh, as we're coming through now with uh, uh, Sunday afternoons especially, we'll kind of, we've been going through different books and different things, but uh, if there's always if there's a topic that we can spend a couple weeks on or something like that, let me know. At some point we need to go through Revelation again. We did it several years ago. Um, but uh, nonetheless, there's other things out there. So if you have a, a topic or a book of the Bible you'd like us to, to go through on Sunday afternoons, let me know and we will uh, we'll consider that as well. Good crowd today. Thank you all for coming back and uh, being here this afternoon. It, there's nothing, not that you need to encourage me, but there's nothing that encourages me more than people here. <laughs> um, if you're here, it makes me happy. So, um, And, you know, you guys are my favorites, so... Uh, anyways, Joel chapter 1. Uh, F.B. Meyer said, There are days in national experience when it becomes us to gird ourselves and lament. Um, you look at our nation, right? You look at America and there's a need for revival. We, use that, we might use that word wrong sometimes. But revival or uh, just a, a reckoning of God spiritually. Um, where Christians turn to God, where those that are not Christians turn to God. Uh, There's a great need, a spiritual need uh, in our country. Obviously, there's been spiritual awakenings in the past, not just in our country, but um, that have, that have uh, awakened a nation, so to say, um, and pointed them to God. And we come to Joel, and I think this book leans towards that, the need for a national spiritual awakening. And uh, so we're going to look here at the first part. It's really a warning of the judgment that's coming. Uh, the second chapter turns a little bit more into the, the need for repentance. But uh, here we kind of start off by looking at uh, this judgment that is coming. Verse number 1 says, The word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Pethuel. Um, that just tells us which Joel it is. Some people have argued it's a, uh, a son of, I forget who, but it's not. It's, it's this Joel, Joel, son of Pethuel. Um, I think, did Joshua have a son named Joel? I don't remember. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Um, so this is the prophet Joel, and we're going to look at what God told him. Let's pray, though, first. Lord, thank you for letting us uh, be here this afternoon, and as we open up this new book to study through, uh, may you teach us, Lord, may you help our understanding May you draw our attention to the, the need as a nation that we have spiritually. And Lord, would you motivate us uh, to be uh, in the right, to, to be what we ought to be to help our nation get to where it needs to be. So Lord, help us as we look through this, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
We're going to start off here looking at the severity of the punishment that's coming. Verse number 2 says, Hear this, ye old men, and give ear, all ye inhabitants of the land. I, I don't know why, but this always cracks me up. When, there's a couple different parts of the Bible that do this, where it's, it kind of addresses two different groups of people, although the first group is included in the second group. So it says, hear ye this, or hear this, ye old men. Uh, typically, that's going to be your leaders, right? In most cases, your leaders, your elders, things like that. Uh, but then he says, uh, all ye inhabitants of the land, give ear. So doesn't that include the old men? Uh, yes, but nonetheless, here we sit. Uh, he says, Hath this been in your days or even in the days of your fathers? Tell ye your children of it, and let your children tell their children, and their children another generation. We see here that the judgment that we're getting ready to talk about and discuss here, is, is a, it's going to be a very harsh judgment. Maybe harsher than they have ever seen. But not only that, it's going to be one that will not soon be forgotten. As he says there in verse 3, uh, it says to teach or tell your children of it. Let your children tell their children and their children another generation. So he's saying not only will it not be forgotten, it should not be forgotten, the judgment that is coming. So teach the next generation of God's wrath. Teach the next generation of the hatred that God has for sin so that they'll understand the severity of the judgment of God. We live in a current society that tries to soften everything. Um, I don't ever, on purpose, make light of mental, um, mental like I guess they'd say mental illness, but um, we have people today who get told, hey, you need to suck it up. And then they say, you're being so mean to me. And granted, at times, maybe we are. But other times, it really is just a lack of, of, of sucking it up. Um, <laughs> I say all this just to tell you how mean I was to somebody, but um, I had a friend that worked, we worked together for many years, and uh, he, he came one time and he cut his finger. And he's like, I cut my finger, do you have a Band-Aid? I said, hang on, I said, I know what you need. I open up the first aid kit, look around, oh, well, we're all out of it. He said, what? I said, suck it up juice. Um, and, uh, you know, you just get over it, man. Rub some dirt on it. Uh, that kind of mentality. Uh, me and my dad were talking about Bobby Knight. Uh, some of you would know who Bobby Knight is. He's a basketball coach in Indiana for many years. He's well known now for throwing a chair across the gym floor. Um, he had choked a, a player of his in practice as well. But he honestly was one of the greatest basketball coaches to ever live. Um, he was very smart with basketball strategy and uh, very good at motivating players. Uh, until he came across a player that he couldn't motivate. And so then he just got physical with them. And, uh, but you see, now we are in a generation where we see it, where, where really they just, you can't push people the same way you used to. And some of that's good and some of it's bad. Uh, there, there is that, that mentality of the need for understanding um, you know, how severe it can be. But today we're trying to soften everything. So instead of telling people the truth about how, how bad it can get, we try to kind of soften it so it doesn't, it's not so bad. You know, it's okay. Are your feelings hurt? Oh, I'm so sorry. And again, there are times where we, we, we abuse that, but there are other times where it's okay for someone's feelings to be hurt if they're wrong. Um, you know, and, and we have to be careful with it, especially now. We have to be careful with it. But 
That being said, here we sit and he's saying, make sure that you tell your children and that they tell their children and another generation after that how severe this is, how severe this will be. They need to understand that God, how God deals with sin is serious. And what's coming is a result of sin. And we'll talk about that more as we get into the, to the book. But uh, he says, when it, it's coming and you need to make sure everyone knows about it and that you don't stop telling the generations about it. They need to be aware of how severe the punishment is and the punishment ultimately for sin. Now let's look at that punishment and that will be our time today. But he says here, starting in verse number 4, uh, "...that which the palmer worm hath left hath the locust eaten, and that which the locust hath left hath the canker worm eaten, and that which the canker worm hath left hath the caterpillar eaten. Awake, ye drunkards, and weep, and howl, all ye drinkers of wine, because of the new wine, for it is cut off from your mouth. For a nation has come upon my land, strong and without number, whose teeth are the teeth of a lion." And he hath the cheek teeth of a great lion. He hath laid my vine waste and barked my fig tree. He hath made it clean bare and cast it away. The branches thereof are made white. We see here in this section we, the, the infestation that's coming. I uh, list four different insects, the palmer worm, the locust, the canker worm, and the caterpillar. And he says everything is going to be destroyed. All the crop, all the grass, all the trees, uh, everything is going to be destroyed by this. Uh, these things, if you think about, uh, probably most of us know a caterpillar or a locust the best. If you have one caterpillar or one locust, they are very easy to get rid of. Right? Done. Now, why would you want to kill a caterpillar? I don't understand. But uh, nonetheless, if you just have one of them, not a problem. If you have a swarm of them, that's a big problem. The old saying, uh, I don't know where it originates from, so if it originated from a hippie group, I apologize. Uh, united we stand, divided we fall. You mess with one, you mess with us all. Uh, you get this idea of one thing, not a big deal. A mass horde, that's a problem. When I mean, you get these insects that come through and all of a sudden just one of them, you know, if you're, if you're a farmer and you see one of them, it probably worries you. But the average person sees, sees one, it's not that big of a deal. But if it all of a sudden were so many that it, it, it darkened the sky, you could see there's going to be an issue. You go back to Egypt and the locusts that came through Egypt, that was a problem, right? It was a big time problem. And so he says, even though these things might be easy to kill in and of themselves, if they're all together, if there's numerous of them, that's a problem. And they are going to destroy everything. What the one doesn't finish, the next one that comes in will. And it'll just keep on going until it's completely destroyed. It says there in verse number uh, 6 that, uh, well, in verse number 5, the new wine is cut off from them. Why? Well, because it says that uh, the teeth, or uh, the teeth of a lion, verse 7, the, the, the vine is wasted, they laid, laid my vine waste, they barked my fig tree, which takes away the protection and eventually it dies, uh, that the branches are made white. So they've destroyed everything. They're going to destroy everything. They're coming and it's going to be a problem. Not only that, in verse number 5, it, it, they're going to take away the comforts and luxuries. Uh, in verse number 5 it says, Awake ye drunkards and weep and howl ye drinkers of wine, because the new wine... Uh, it, it's cut off from your mouth. 
Because they come in and destroy the trees and destroy the vines, it's no longer going to bring forth the fruit. And now you won't have the enjoyment of the things that you're enjoying. So begin to weep for those things. You're going to lose your comforts and your luxuries. It also removes the security. He says, wake up! Have you ever had someone, uh, maybe you were in a high school relationship and you were just distraught uh, over losing the love of your life? Uh, I never had that experience, but I always let, no, I'm sorry. Um, and uh, you're, just, you're just sad and, and uh, you think life is over because your uh, supposed boyfriend or girlfriend broke up with you and, and everything is just horrible and your mom comes in and says, wake up, your life's not over. He was a moron anyhow, um, or something like that. Uh, don't say that word, kids. I forgot we had kids in here, sorry. Uh, so, uh, but the idea of snap out of it, be alert, focus, pay attention, wake up. And they say here, you know, everyone is kind of lulled into this comfort zone where they're just kind of floating through life and not even aware of what's going on around them. And so he says to them, wake up. Uh, One preacher said, if you won't wake up to God's word, he'll use the rod. I grew up in a a home where I was disciplined uh, when I did wrong, typically with a leather belt. And uh, I never liked it. Uh, it was never a fun, fun moment when dad said, lean over my knee or lean over the bed. That was not fun. I never enjoyed that. Uh, that correction, though, worked <laughs> in many ways. It worked. If I got spanked for something, I was not going to make that mistake again, at least anytime soon. Um, in my house, uh, there was a big thing about lying, especially to your mother. You don't lie to mom. Uh, you don't lie to dad either, but don't lie to mom. Uh, so that was, you know, like I said, you do that once and you get caught. You don't do it again for quite some time. Uh, we had another thing about uh, just being home on time. You know, I, was, I lived back in the day where, hey, be home by this time. And, you know, what you did in between then and then wasn't that big a deal as long as you were home on time. And uh, so you show up on time. Well, you show up late, you better have a good reason for why you showed up late. And, uh, or else there was going to be consequences. And that rod, uh, in this case a belt, but uh, and that rod, it, it was an awakening experience. It enlightened me in areas I needed to improve on. Well, the reality is, is the punishment of God is, is very similar. What, the first thing that He does is He gives us His Word. We talked about this morning that, that warns us, that corrects us, that encourages us. And God's Word says, stop doing this or start doing this. And if you obey it, great. And if you don't, then God will find another way to correct you. Why does God correct us? Why does God... Uh, punish us? Why does God chastise us? Because He loves us. The Bible tells us that whom He loves, He chastens. Whom He loves, He corrects. Whom He loves, He disciplines for the purpose of correction. That's why parents are supposed to discipline children, to correct them, to help them, so that they don't keep making that mistake 
and then grow up to be an adult that keeps acting like that and then gets themselves in all kinds of trouble. That's the purpose of discipline. It's to correct a wrongdoing. And so God says, uh, here, your, your comforts are going to be removed. Your security is going to be removed. You better wake up or the rod is coming. He also lets us know that this, this punishment that's coming affects everybody. Uh, look in verse number 8. It says, Lament like a virgin girded with sackcloth for the husband of her youth. Uh, skip down to verse number 10. The, the field is wasted, the land mourneth. For the corn is wasted, the new wine is dried up, the oil languisheth. Be ye ashamed, O ye husbandmen. Howl, O ye vine dressers. Uh, for the wheat and for the barley, because the harvest of the field is perished. It's going to affect everybody. It's going to take out the food source. It's going to take out the crops. It's going to be a, a nationwide discipline. In verse number 5, he says, Awake ye drunkards, but we're told here in these other verses, it's not just the drunkards that are going to be affected. I think sometimes we look at our country and we think, well, I'm not one of them. I'm not one of the bad people. I'm living right. I'm not one of the wicked. But if God punishes the nation, it's going to affect us too. It should motivate us to do our part to help the nation. It's not to say that God is going to discipline me for someone else's sin. But if the nation is wiped out and I'm alive and I live in the nation, it's going to affect me. Now, I've got God to provide for me and God to take care of me and God to protect me. Yes, it's going to affect me though, right? It's not just the drunkards. It's not just the lazy. It's not just the, the wicked that's going to be affected here. He says the nation is going to feel this discipline that's coming. And then he closes this section, verse number 13, that reminds the, uh, the priest the ministry is going to be affected too. He says in verse number 13, uh, Gird yourselves and lament, ye priests, how ye ministers of the altar. Come, lie all night uh, in sackcloth, ye ministers of my God. For the meat offering and the drink offering is withholden from the house of your God. Now think about this. If the priests were offering meat sacrifices and drink sacrifices and all of the crops and all of the animals and all of the vines have been ruined by the, uh, the locusts and the caterpillars and the, the palmer worms and the canker worms, what are the priests going to sacrifice? There won't be any, any, any drink to sacrifice because all the vines have been ruined. There's no fruit. There won't be any meat to sacrifice because all the cattle and the sheep and the goats have been, have been uh, dead now as a result of this infestation. It's going to affect the ministry as well. When we look at the severity of God's reaction to sin, it should help us a little bit to understand that it's, it's not good. God hates sin. And the Scripture tells us that from, from really day one of Scripture, right? In Genesis, we learn very quickly God hates sin. And it goes all the way through Scripture into Revelation that God hates sin and there are consequences for sin and there is results because of sin. And yet we kind of uh, twiddle our thumbs here in America because we think as American Christians our sin is not as bad as the other people sinning. 
We'll look church to church and judge churches for how they do church. <laughs> and we skip over our own sins in our lives. We'll go to our co-workers and think, man, those wicked, godless people. And we'll overlook the pride in our life. God hates all sin. And it affects all areas. It affects the drunkards. It affects the nation. It affects the ministry when sin is involved. And we have to understand that there is a, a severe consequence for sin. That God, even, even though He loved us and He gave His Son for us, and, and, and we have called on Christ to save us, and God is our Savior, God still hates our sin. Now me as a Christian, I don't have to, to fear about hell, because God has saved me from that. That doesn't mean that there's no consequence for my sins. There are things in my life that I'm going to, to have to, to deal with as a result of my sin. There are consequences for my sin. There always is. There's consequences for all your actions, right? We overlook that. I don't know why. But we think, oh, it's okay if I lie here, if I you know, cheat the government here, if I whatever, do this, listen to this, or watch this, or whatever it may be. Because we think it's just not that big of a deal. The reality is, is we don't care what kind of a deal it is. We just like it, so we do it. There's a consequence for it. So God here is warning through the prophet Joel, the nation, there is a coming, uh, a coming discipline, a coming punishment that will be here. We'll look at a little bit more of that next week uh, through the rest of this chapter, and then we get into the call for repentance uh, in chapter 2 as well. Uh, if you read through the prophets here in the Old Testament, you'll find a lot of them are very similar. Uh, a lot of them are a call to repentance, a warning about what's coming, and then the destruction that comes because the people didn't repent. That's a lot of, a lot of the prophets. And uh, I, I find it interesting if you read through them. Um, I actually got kind of discouraged. Uh, this is many years ago now. Uh, I, was, I was on a trip and we didn't have a TV. And so... I read my Bible a lot on that trip. And, uh, and I started reading through the prophets. It's not something I'd read through at that point in my life yet. And I got done with the one and went to the next one and got on with that one and went to the next one, got done with that one, went to the next one. I thought, man, this is kind of discouraging. But you know what's encouraging is what God says. God says, if you repent, I'll take care of you. I'll forgive you. I'll take care of you. So remember that as we read through Joel, as we study through Joel, the consequences are severe. But the opportunity to do right is always there. Every single time. So we'll look at that as we study through the book of Joel. Lord, thank you. Uh, thank you for loving us. Thank you for being patient with us. And uh, God, may you help us to understand that the sin in our life is serious to you. So Lord, I pray that we would live a clean life, uh, a right life. And Lord, that when we do... Uh, sin, that we would get it right with you immediately. Uh, Lord, protect us, protect our, our homes, our children, um, and Lord, help us to, to train them up and to teach them in the way that is right and the way that is godly. Uh, Lord, protect this church, and Lord, protect our nation. Um, you have been patient with our nation. I will pray that you would continue to do so, and Lord, that you would use us to be a part of the solution. Um, we know that, that, that at some point, um, you, the, the patience will be done. 
And so, Lord, we pray that you would just help us, uh, strengthen us, grow us, give us wisdom. And, Lord, help us to take advantage of the opportunities you give us to further the gospel in our own country as well as around the world. Uh, bless us now, Lord. Provide we all have different needs. Provide for the needs that we have. Lord, protect us, keep us safe, bring us back together uh, later this week. Lord, we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.